News Network. Remember when Escape from New York was science fiction? When Soylent Green was inconceivable? When 1984 was Can't Happen Here? <laughs> Welcome to the third millennium. And if you want to do something about it, you need to be armed with the Sword of Truth. And this is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your knight in armor is Dan Newman. And I'm sitting here in the studio. I'm doing something that it, you don't do in broadcast studios. I'm eating a piece of toasted raisin bread. Have you ever had it? Oh my goodness. You haven't? I grew up, I'm actually from originally from Houston. I was born in Houston, actually born in Pasadena, an eastern suburb of Houston. And the first four years of my life, I grew up in Houston. Raisin bread was a staple in the Newman family. My dad loved bread, and i got to be honest with you, anybody that knows me, you know that I love bread. Raisin bread, oh my gosh, that's a lustful thing for me. And you don't see it very often anymore. I don't know why. I guess people realize that you can get a lot of fat, a lot of sugar, a lot of calories in raisin bread, so they just decided to quit making it. But my wife's, my wife's, listen to me, my mother's second husband was a bread man and owned and had started from scratch one of the largest bakeries in South Louisiana. It's still there. It's called Evangeline Made Bread. And this was some, I guess, 20 years after I experienced my first wondrous encounter with raisin bread in Houston as a four-year-old. But anyway, we got to South Louisiana and Papa Joe Huval, my stepfather, Evangeline made bread. They made the most fabulous raisin bread. And I loved it. And I got to be honest with you. I, I can eat any kind of bread, pretty much. I can eat it any way, anytime, 24-7. And it doesn't have to be fancy. My wife will tell you, often when she goes to the store and gets regular loaves of bread, and we eat wheat bread, it's often that I'll open the pack and pull out a heel, the one, the very top, the heel of that loaf of bread, and I eat it just that way, not putting anything on it because I love bread. Now, what is this all about? Are we going to make some kind of political statement? Are we going to analyze raisin bread versus regular bread in the show today? It has absolutely nothing to do with anything other than you caught me eating a piece of toasted raisin bread at the beginning of the show. And don't sit there and say, oh, I would never do anything like that. Every one of you listening this morning, you have little things like raisin bread in your life that you just love. And honestly, we could sit here for the whole show, have people calling in, t tell us what's your favorite thing to eat and how did you come by uh, finding it? You never know if you like something to eat unless you eat it. On another food note, my mom tried her entire life to make me like boiled squash and boiled okra. I will never forget the first time she put boiled okra on my plate and told me, Danny, you're going to eat that. Mom, I, I, looking at it, I don't like it. I don't care. I didn't ask you if you liked it. 
you're going to eat that. It's good for you. How many times did your mom tell you that? It's good for you. There is no way in God's green earth anybody can convince me that a slimy piece of vegetable, the one that you can't actually chew up, the only way to eat it is bite off a piece of it and just tilt your head back and let it slide down into your stomach because it is gross. Now, on the other hand, fried okra, I can eat my weight in fried okra. I love the taste of okra, and maybe it's just I love the taste of the fried batter that they put on okra. And my wife, by the way, is a great cook, and she loves okra fried, doesn't like it boiled, just like me. So we have one thing in common, I guess. We came up with one thing 47 years after we got married. You got that first three minutes absolutely free. (laughs) And uh, I'm not going to make a habit of it, but I'm in a really good mood. I feel good for people that know me. You know that I've been dealing with something of a a really nagging health issue. And I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it's nothing life-threatening. It's just one of those things that grates on your nerves and you think about it and feel it 24-7. And it can really wear you down. Not so much what's going on, but the fact that you think about it. And come on, be honest with me. Typically in that kind of situation, we don't just think about something. We obsess about whatever it is. And then it takes over our whole thought process. And then we start having the thoughts about, well, what if, what if, what if this, what if that, what if this turns in? Those are natural things for people to feel when they face something they don't understand. I've been dealing with this now for about four months. And no, it's not anything to do with my back. My back, I've had problems with my back for 18 years. And God and a great, amazing doctor in Austin, Texas, fixed me. I don't have any problems with my back. I'm in the process now of moving forward and going back and doing some things that I couldn't do for several years, one being playing golf. So it's not one of those kind of things. And I'm trying to think of a, of a good way to tell you what it is without grossing you. I, I'm gonna, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to just tell you this. You know when you have an itch that no matter of scratching can stop the itching? And how many times through your lifetime, maybe it's on the top of your back where you can reach back there and scratch it, and you scratch it so much that you turn it into a sore. I have had something for off and on 10 years, and doctors don't understand it. It's itching, but it's not coming in my skin. It's coming from somewhere inside me, and it combines with a burning sensation. Now, is that strange to you? It is to me. It is to my doctors. And I'm talking about several doctors that are specialists in that area. There are even people, and I'm not the lone survivor of this condition on planet Earth. There are so many people out there that experience this same thing. Doctors haven't found an answer, or at least I haven't found the answer that any doctor has come up with as a reason for this happening that they even come up with this, and this is the catch-all diagnosis for all doctors when they can't tell you factually, hey, this is this and it's caused by this. 
they say it might be psychological. <laughs> uh, I got to be honest with you. I don't have enough brain to think through something like that. So to make it a, psych- a psychological defect, I don't. But anyway, the itch comes through along with the burn. And it's not all over my body. It's typically my head, my neck, and the top of my shoulders. And when I say it is unbelievably horrible to deal with, it's because you can't scratch it enough. And if you scratch too hard, what happens? You break the skin, it starts bleeding, and it turns into a sore, and that just exacerbates the whole thing. So the last few days, believe it or not, through prayer, and I believe in healing, I believe in James, the fifth chapter in the Bible, where it says, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. They'll pray for the person and the prayer of faith will raise them up. I believe in that. And it's not that I don't believe in that or that I don't believe God won't heal me or can heal me. I haven't been healed yet. And so any time when I have even 24 hours without dealing with it, and let me go back. Let me tell you the most amazing feeling on earth with this condition is when I get in the shower and turn around and let the shower, the hot water in the shower, and I'm one of those hot water shower people, when it hits my back, it is the greatest sensation and feeling almost without exception I've ever experienced. And so I, I, I sat the other day looking at my doctor and I looked and I explained this and you should, it's just like a hollow feeling or look shows up in their eyes because they don't understand it. Now, all that being said, I am willing and I've got my hand raised in the studio. I'm making a pledge. I am willing to do without that wonderful feeling of pleasure when the hot water hits my back in the shower. If I can just do away with it entirely, the itch. And my phone's blowing up as I'm talking. <laughs> People are, I've got four texts in the last three minutes. People, there's there's three more. There's six more. <laughs> People are sending me suggestions. Thank you for those. I really appreciate that. I think we're on the upside of it. I really do. Last few days, almost entirely, I've been okay. Now, when I say okay, it doesn't mean it's all gone, but it's not driving me crazy. If this was a video podcast, you, if you watched it, you'd probably have to turn away because I am throughout, in most days, throughout the broadcast, scratching (laughs) my neck, my beard, the top of my back. I haven't done that. Didn't do it yesterday, the day before. And I don't have that burning, itching sensation today. So in the first 10 minutes of the show, you learned about my lust for raisin bread. And by the way, raisin bread flooded with butter. I just made it worse for you. And then my itch thing. So here, we'll end this segment by my asking you, for those of you that are praying people and you believe in prayer, would you say a prayer for me? God help Dan, and believe me, (laughs) there are a lot of things that God could do for me, 
Uh, and many of you that know me will say, you need this more than you need the itch relief. <laughs> but anyway, regarding the itch relief, when you think about it, say a prayer. God, heal Dan. Take this thing away from him. I believe in prayer. Now that you got those two chapters of the show today, let me tell you what's coming up. We're going to start with something that might shock a lot of you. It might shock you. It's going to be something about something you don't really understand or believe could absolutely happen based upon everything we're told. We've got that coming up. Judge has gotten into the middle of some correspondence regarding some nasty stuff happening in the federal government and has made some people step forward with information about it. And one of those people is Dr. Anthony Fauci. And then we're going to visit, you remember when we had our buddy, the uh, mortician from South Alabama, had him on the show several months ago, and he had found this really spooky, strange thing among a lot of the bodies that he was embalming getting prepared for funerals. And it has to do with blood veins and arteries. And remember this, everything we talk about, we always now, when we talk about something strange, biologically, healthcare-wise, what happens? The bell goes off. Ding, 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 ding. COVID, COVID, COVID. I'm not so sure about that. And then we're having two guests today. Two guests have stepped out of the woods and have started making public statements. And they're very close to each other. Two different stories, though. Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. I know you can't wait for those two, can you? (laughs) One thing you're sure of, though, Hillary will be talking about um, Hillary. That's all she knows. Oh, my goodness. Well, where do we get started? Let, let, let's get started here. Oh, by the way, you're going to hear from Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, also our other senator that you don't ever hear from in Louisiana, Bill Cassidy. You're going to hear from them a great back and forth in a Senate hearing between Senator Kennedy, also Senator Josh Hawley, and Senator Dick Durbin. It gets a little contentious. And to be honest with you, that's why I want you to listen to this. We're going to get to all of that in a minute. But let's weigh into the thing I told you you will not believe. Very quietly yesterday, the Biden administration signed an agreement to stop oil drilling that had already been authorized under 113 permits in three western states. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about Joe Biden, Mr. Energy, Mr. Green New Deal Energy, Mr. Renewable Energy. And remember this? He's going to kill fossil fuel, which he's doing everything he can to do it. And even if he has the authority to override and uh, stop those drilling under those 113 permits, even if he has that, you got to remember in the context of what he's been doing, he's been screaming and hollering, talking about energy shortages. These evil oil companies, they've got to get to drilling. We've got so many permits out there. They're not exercising the permits that they've had, several hundred. He didn't get up to the podium 
and talk about he was canceling 113 permits. Now, who gives these permits out? Well, it is the executive branch of government. It is, under his purview, any president can weigh in and at least temporarily hold these things off. But why would Biden hold these things from being exercised and used and turned into oil and natural gas? Yeah, he said it's the corrupt old oil companies that drag their feet in oil production. And why? They always point to the profit evil. Profits and stuff. And that means there's not enough oil. And that's why gas costs so much more than it did when he was elected. The federal pact to lock up 58,617 acres in Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota was made with wild earth guardians. This is a federal pact. No, Wild Earth Guardians is not a rock band. It's an environmental group that joined with the Sierra Club, you know all about them, and even some others, to further undercut former President Donald Trump's successful efforts in gaining for us energy independence. And he did that. Donald Trump did it. The agreement opens the door for the Biden administration to undo Trump's recklessness and disregard for the climate and public interest. That comes from Jeremy Nichols, the group's program director for climate and public interest. Oil and gas leasing is completely at odds with climate action, Nichols said. It's also at odds with reducing mobility or being without a job or enough food. But he left that out. Dan Reitzman, who directs the Sierra Club's Lands Water Wildlife Campaign, said this, We can no longer ignore the devastating effects continued fossil fuel leasing has on the health of our communities and the future of our planet. We remain hopeful that this agreement will chart the way forward for public land management based in science, and that serves the interest of people, not oil and gas corporations. Yeah, right. We have full confidence these days when someone drags the word science into whatever political statement they're making. This action casts doubt on ongoing headlines and news stories that claim the Biden administration is not responsible for high gasoline prices. Come on now. What determines the price of anything? How much you pay when you go to get it? Especially when there's a bunch of it out there produced by a bunch of different people, so there's a lot of competition to do what? Keep prices low. So you have three things that weigh into the price of everything. Number one is how much it costs to produce. Number two is how much it takes to get it to the marketplace. And number three Do people really want it? How bad do they want it? And if they want it really bad, does that automatically mean the price is going to go up? No. If there is a plethora of the same goods or products or services in the marketplace, that's called, what is it called? Capitalism. (laughs) So what was this all about? Well, the agreement itself, for these drilling permits 
to actually be out there, it came as part of an agreement the Biden administration had with, here we go, environmentalist. And it was a settlement of a federal lawsuit filed by Wild Earth Guardians of Sierra Club, Montana Environmental Information Center, the Center for Biological Diversity, and the Waterkeeper Alliance against the U.S. Bureau of Land Management, Interior Secretary Deb Halen, and listen to this, Black Lives Matter official Kim Prill. It addressed five decisions during the Trump administration that authorized the sale of 113 oil drilling leases on public lands in those states we just mentioned. The agreement calls for the Bureau to review the leases and then decide on them with consideration of the social cost of greenhouse gases. It does not include the social cost of how you will have the money to get to work in the coming months. It's all about being socially prudent and acceptable. And that means somebody human that has a political perspective can weigh in and make a determination based not on facts, not on science, but on the social impact, the social cost. We're committed to truth and accuracy in all of our journalism here. And this, my friends, has nothing to do with truth. It has nothing to do with accuracy. And did you catch up at the top of this what really happened that initiated my even bringing this to you? The Biden administration signed an agreement to stop drilling. That had been authorized under these 113 permits in those three western states. The Biden administration stopped drilling. So it is inconceivable, it is unfactual for them to point their fingers at the fossil fuel industry like Joe Biden continues to do, blaming oil companies for not drilling. Oh, we've got, we've given out all these permits, 113 here. And then him very quietly going, shh, don't tell anybody. But we're not going to let those permits be used. Just another day in D.C. Well, I told you Fauci is in the news today a couple of times. Um, He joins the likes of White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre and several other top Biden administration officials who were resisting efforts to obtain their communications, media, texts, emails, their interactions with big tech companies. And it looks like they're going to have to turn over the records of that communication This is according to a federal judge. U.S. District Judge Terry Doty, a Trump appointee. Let me ask you this. Aren't you looking forward to a time where any news agency can bring you a story like this about a judge that makes a ruling and it's no longer necessary to, um, at the end of it, say, in this case of District Judge Jerry Doty, he's a Trump appointee. I don't I don't want to I don't want to live in that world. I want it to be just stopped at US District Judge Terry Doty and then move right through it. What are you talking about? It's all about partisanship. 
there in this writing and this story and others, when this is done, it's so that you will understand if this judge made his determination, his or her determination, based on the law or based on political perspective. Just thought I'd point that out. So you now know U.S. District Judge Terry Doty is a Trump appointee, and he ordered the government to quickly produce documents after it was sued by the Attorneys General of Louisiana, Missouri, over what? Some alleged collusion with big tech firms, like, you know, Facebook. The initial tranche of discovery was released the last day of last month. It revealed that more than 50 government officials across a dozen agencies were involved in applying pressure to social media companies to censor users. And I'm sure you can't believe that's factual. But some of the officials refused to provide any answers or to answer all the questions that were posed by the plaintiffs. Among them, this won't surprise you, Dr. Anthony Fauci and Chief Medical Advisor to President Joe Biden. The government claimed that Fauci should not be required to answer all questions or provide records in his capacity as the NIA director or in his capacity as Biden's chief medical advisor. It also attempted to withhold records and responses from Jean-Pierre. Now, what that means is two things. We're the Biden administration. And oh, by the way, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he's the COVID god of the universe. You can't question him. And Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, judge, you don't believe in the First Amendment? Anybody can say anything, but speech is protected, especially if you work in the Biden administration. In the new ruling, Doty said both Fauci and Jean-Pierre needed to comply with the interrogatories and the records request. He said this, first, the requested information is obviously very relevant to the plaintiff's claims. Dr. Fauci's communications would be relevant to the plaintiff's allegations in reference to alleged suppression of speech relating to the lab leak theory of COVID-19's origin and to alleged suppression of speech about the efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns. Jean Paris's communication as White House press secretary could be relevant to all of the plaintiff's examples, the judge said, referring to Examples such as the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story ahead of the 2020 presidential election and censorship of claims COVID-19 originated in a Chinese laboratory. Doty ordered Fauci and Jean Perrier to comply within three weeks. Fauci additionally must provide complete answers to questions regarding his role as the NIA director. We know from the previous round of discovery that efforts to censor the speech of those who disagree with the government on COVID policy have come from the top. That would be, of course, Anthony Fauci. Joe Biden, who is really at the top, he wouldn't have any idea about what to answer on a question about about this. He would actually have to pick up the phone and call Barack Obama. It's time... Dr. Fauci answers for his flagrant disregard for Americans' constitutional rights 
and civil liberties. So, have you noticed that we are beginning to see a little rift in all of the follow the science dictates that we've been given for two and a half years by Dr. Anthony Fauci and every Democrat that picks up the cry, follow the science. Oh, you got to believe the science, the science, the science. It's all about the science. And then we're finding out now all about the science of COVID-19 that millions of Americans responded to positively and did exactly what they were told. Many of them are dead from relying on that documentation of science that we were given, and many more have permanent disabilities today. Hundreds of thousands, permanent disabilities called adverse reactions to COVID-19 vaccinations. You couldn't question anybody about it when your loved ones, people that work for you, people who you work with, have these things that happen. We've cataloged and brought you story after story after story of the reality of it all, and every time it's brought up to the so-called experts, they immediately poop hot. Oh, there's nothing there. You heard the scientific expression of this. You know what is supposed to be and the way it is. You're crazy, you're stupid, and you're evil if you don't shut up and just listen to what we say and do what we tell you to do. Do you know that births were down in the United States last year? Nobody's talking about that. Why were they down? Do you know that the 18 to 49-year-old demographic of Americans last year went down for the first time since 1952? Why do you think that happened? Just saying. Just saying. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take our first break. Now, when we come back, for those of you that weren't here yesterday, I'm going to go back and dig up a soundbite regarding this very conversation, regarding this very event. And it's simply going to remind you of what's going on and why it's going on. That's next at TNN Live. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm. Chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? 
M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes! M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Thursday in Louisiana. Yeah, it's hot, it's humid. But what else would you expect in the South, the deep South, especially this time of year? We're in that transition month or so. You know, September actually kind of begins at mid-August to maybe October 15th. We really don't have four seasons in the deep South. And anybody that claims that they do, they're living in la-la land. We just don't. We don't typically have a fall and a spring. We have summer and summer light. (laughs) We don't really have winter. Yeah, we do when it gets a little chilly. And by the way, every once in a while it snows in Louisiana. A couple of years ago, we had some really bad snow. I mean, it, it was close to being called the blizzard, but we actually had so that kept all of us inside. You couldn't get out on the streets. Most of us couldn't get out of a driveway but it was several feet of snow, but that's rare. That never happened before in my 69 years now, 68 at that time. I couldn't believe it, but it happened. Something else that's really difficult to believe, Mark Stein, and we played this, I guess it was yesterday, we played this from a TV show the night before, I think, when he did it, and it's about very healthy athletes Male, female, athletes are dying across Europe and here in the United States. I'm talking about people that are athletes, great shape, very healthy, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, none of them overweight, none of them. But they died and they died mysteriously and they died suddenly. If you missed it yesterday, turn your sound up. Mark Stein nothing to see here. On Sunday, mountain biker Rab Wardell won the Scottish Cross Country Championship, the National Championship. On Monday, the champ went on BBC Scotland to talk about his victory. Talk me through it then. How do you contend with three punctures in a race like this and go on to lift oh. the gold medal? Unfortunately, I'm a, probably a little bit too, <laughs> too well practised in managing <laughs> punctures, but uh, no, it was a... Uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, to be honest, it was a bit of a disaster, but no, I just, just have to, to, to keep on trucking and, and keep racing. And I guess still felt confident that I'd be able to, to catch the leaders and, and win. So, yeah, just give them my best shot. So a tremendous come from behind win on the Sunday. On the Monday, he's on the BBC talking about it, full of life there. Then he goes home and dies. 
Headline from the Daily Record, mountain biker Rab Wardell dies just two days after winning Scottish Championship. He went into cardiac arrest on Tuesday morning, less than 48 hours after winning a national championship. His poor, devastated girlfriend, Commonwealth Games and Olympics champion Katie Archibald, uh, tried to revive him, but she was unable to, as she subsequently tweeted. I still don't understand what's happened. If this is real, why he'd be taken now so healthy and happy. Rab Wardell was 37, which is no age to die. Nothing to see here in cycling and nothing to see here in rugby from the Huddersfield Daily Examiner. Tributes to Halifax rugby player Ben Ben, who has died suddenly, aged 30. Ben Ben from Siddle died suddenly on Monday, leaving his family and friends completely shocked. The 30-year-old dad played competitive rugby for a host of local league and union teams, including Huddersfield Giants and Bradford Bulls. Nothing to see here in rugby, nothing to see here in cycling, nothing to see here in football. Uh, from the Daily Mirror, quote, tributes have poured in after the sudden death of West Belfast footballer Molly White. Uh, Molly White was 20 and a rising star in women's football. Uh, nothing to see here in boxing. Also from the Belfast Telegraph, a young boxer who passed away suddenly had an infectious smile and kind-hearted nature, his West Belfast club said. St Michael's Boxing Club led tributes to 19-year-old Dominic Oscar after his death last Thursday. Nothing to see here in cycling, rugby, football, boxing, 37 years old, 30 years old, 20 years old, 19. Fit, healthy, in the peak of condition, and dead. But nothing to see here. A few months ago, I thought there might be something to see here in all these sportsmen suddenly dying, and I'm being investigated by Ofcom over it, so I certainly wouldn't want to make that mistake again. Nevertheless, as we've reported, in the Canadian province of Alberta, the leading cause of death is not cancer or dementia, but cause unknown. Uh, death from unknown causes. This was uh, how it's, you see the way, it was just 500 in 2019. Two years later, it's three and a half thousand. Cause unknown is now spreading to other provinces, including my own native Sod, Ontario. On Saturday, Rhea Vernort from Hamilton was jet skiing on Lake Ontario with old friends she hadn't seen since the COVID came along. The friends turned away and then looked back and saw Ms. Van Oort's body floating in the lake, also sudden death. She was 32 and a paramedic, which I mention because it means certain things can be inferred. She leaves a six-year-old daughter. OK, let's move from the case studies to the big picture. Here is a table from a new report. I expect you're wondering who it's by, some crazy far-right QAnon conspiracy theorist? No, it's the US Society of Actuaries, an actuary for the benefit of you Twitter trolls, is a person who calculates insurance risk. And if you don't do that accurately, you wind up paying out a lot more money than you ever intended to. So let's look at Table 5.7 from the Society of Actuaries showing excess deaths in America broken down by age. Focus on that uh, 
red bit. Uh, we'll come to that in a minute. At the left-hand side of the table from 2020, the spring and summer of COVID, it's not good. You can see excess deaths of 15 and 16 percent. Thank goodness all those vaccines came along. Eh? But then look at the third quarter of 2021. Twice as many dead 35 to 44-year-olds as there should be. Uh, and actually almost as lousy numbers for those in their late 20s and early 50s. So look at that, excess mortality for 25 to 54-year-olds, young and middle-aged Americans. Anything going on in the third quarter of 2021? Well, that was actually the peak of vaccine mandates in America, uh, where in a variety of occupations, from paramedics uh, to Manhattan waitresses in diners, you had to get jabbed to keep your job. And oddly enough, that coincides with massive excess mortality among people in the prime of life. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. That's the dispositive line there. OK, we've seen a similar picture in the European Union. Here's the latest report from Eurostat. They're keeping it simple uh, here. The pale yellow is for countries with the lowest excess deaths. Uh, so that's like Hungary, where deaths are actually down, 0.3 percent. Uh, Slovakia, deaths are down 1.9 percent. Bulgaria, 7.9 percent. So Bulgaria's got a, the opposite problem for most places. It's got excess life. Uh, you'll scan the Bulgar papers in vain for sudden death from cause unknown. Whereas that dark maroon there... Those are the worst countries with excess mortality over 15%. Estonia, 16.2%. Spain, 16.7%. Portugal, excess mortality of 23.9%. More dead bodies than usual. I'll tell you what, just for fun, boys and girls, let's also take a look at vaccines in Europe. Uh, this is the uh, rundown of countries. So look at that. The least vaccinated country in Europe is Bulgaria. And they also have the least excess mortality. Mm. And the most vaccinated country in Europe is Malta, which isn't included in the excess mortality stats. So let's go to the second most vaccinated country in Europe, Portugal. And they have the highest excess mortality in you. So the lowest country with the lowest vaccination rate has the lowest excess mortality. And the country with the highest vaccination rate has the highest excess mortality. But altogether now, correlation is not causation. Nothing to see here. So I guess you picked up on the middle of that when he was telling us the stories about all those young people that have died, those athletes that have died, and there's no explanation. Medicine has come up with a name for that happening. It's happening so much around the world that they couldn't ignore it any longer, and they have been ignoring it for months, not reporting on it because nobody knew what to say. Now it's called Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. SADS. Now that sounds like, you know, we've had SIDS for years. That's sudden infant death syndrome, crib death it's called. Well now we have SADS, sudden adult death syndrome. Now what does all this mean? Did you pick up on the middle of that, his explanation for why he wasn't being more definitive about that? It's because 
he got kicked off a UK television network for saying exactly what it was. And of course, the doctors who examined these people, they're just saying, cause unknown. Cause unknown. But you know what it is? You know exactly what it is. These young people dying, he mentioned in all of Europe a year ago, there were only 500 such deaths in total from every country in the UK. And last year, surprisingly, there were 3,500. What's changed? What changed in healthcare is what changed in the lives of every human being on the planet. It's not that, that we had this uh, this horrible virus show up, COVID-19. We've had horrible viruses so, show up throughout our entire lives. And what do we do? We deal with them. Polio is a virus. There are lots of other viruses out there, pneumonia, things that we learn to deal with. COVID-19 didn't happen that way so much, did it? They immediately begin to tell us, this will fix it, and that will fix it, and don't you dare try this other thing. You know those things that worked every other time we got a virus? We use these in the interim while we're developing a, a vaccine, a formal vaccination, and it worked fine. But this thing, this COVID-19 thing, it's impossible to address it. This is once in a lifetime, once in a history of a nation. This is going to wipe out the population of the planet. But we came up with the solutions. We have these vaccines. And they're going to, first of all, stop you from dying. Secondly, they're going to stop you from getting sick. And thirdly, they're going to stop you from breathing your infection onto other people and stopping all those other people to die. So what do you do? You get in the line and you take your vaccination. Just like all these athletes did. Just like all of the difference between 500 unexplained adult deaths in a year to 3,500. So what is that? That's about 3,000 more unexplained deaths of young adults and the commonality of all they're athletes and the same thing showed up in their autopsies that we've been talking about that Kirshner the mortician on this show talked about and he's been on several other networks and television shows talking about the same aberrations in the veins and the arteries of dead people, when they go to embalmment, they, there's no blood. It's this plastic, long sheet of things inside these people's arteries and veins. Not trying to scare you. Not trying to scare you at all. Does this mean that everybody that's been vaccinated, this, this aberration is going to happen? I can't tell you from a doctor's perspective because I'm not a doctor. I know people personally. I have people in my family, young people that had to get vaccinated for their jobs, one for a health condition, and they're doing fine. But I am saying there's something bubbling under the surface that we don't know yet. We, the people, don't know yet. There's something out there yet to be 
talked about to us. And there's something out there that is purposely being hidden. Am I saying this is part of a sinister plan to take over the country or population control? Well, I will tell you, the big players with the big money in their wallets from this just happen to be the propagators of just that, population control. And they all feel like there are too many people breathing on the planet and then they're involved in vaccines distribution and they're making billions of dollars doing it. Something's there, folks. Something's there. Just say. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... So out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. Tell you what, I'll give you a penny, every one of you a penny, for those of you that will find the details of the story that we just talked about in American media. Why is that? They bought in. Mainstream media has bought in to the big lie that comes from the elites in Washington, D.C. and other places on the planet. And it's not just a U.S. thing. I mean, these happenings, these abysmal, unexplained, sudden adult syndrome deaths, they're happening around the world. We don't have the exclusive on that. It's important for everybody. Now, what we do here is every time we hear something, we bring it to you. We want to let you know. So each of those athletes that you just heard about that died suddenly, unexplained, would they have reacted or done things a little differently if they had known about these being possibilities and all the scenarios that we're talking about? At least they would have had the opportunity to say, no, I'm not going to go down that road. I may not know for a fact it's going to do this, but I understand that it might do this, and I don't want to take that chance. Did you get or hear anything like that from your healthcare professional, from your doctor, from anybody in government that are up there? We pay them very well to represent us and keep us safe, people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is the highest paid employee of the federal government, 
did you hear him ever come out and say, you know what, I'm not sure about this, but it looks like this may be a possibility. You need to consider this before making choices to get vaccinated. Did you ever hear him say that one time? No, 180 degrees away from that is where he lives, which is don't believe anything else anybody tells you about anything to do with infectious diseases. Look at me, look me in the eyes. I'm the science. And he said those exact words. I'm the science. I'm the one that has all the truth. Now, let me tell you who he really is. He's a stakeholder in Moderna. He gets a piece of royalties from Moderna. Now, that's no big deal. It's Anybody can invest in something, and if it goes well, they're going to do well. Well, that's not exactly the way it happens in this particular scenario. Moderna, we're going to find out, and we're finding out a little bit every day, Moderna and its contents killed, I don't know how many, but killed numerous people needlessly. And he knew in the clinical trials, the very limited trials that Moderna did before this virus killer theirs, Moderna's vaccine, was put in emergency use authorization by the FDA and they rolled it out and everybody was dancing in the streets. We've got our vaccine. We've got our vaccine. We're not going to die from COVID. And people kept dying from COVID. We're not going to get sick with COVID. And people kept getting sick with COVID. And if you had COVID one time, you'll never get it again. And people are getting it again. Exactly opposite of everything that Anthony Fauci said. Now, where's his big uh, bonanza in all this. Well, have you heard from your local health care providers, your hospitals, how big their bill is for all of those viruses that they had to come out and spend all that money to buy those vaccines to make sure that the people in their towns and cities were protected? It was going to drive these hospitals into the ground, right? You didn't hear a single story about that. Why? Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, they're selling and have been all of their vaccines to the federal government. Now, what does that mean for Moderna? You don't think that Anthony Fauci had a stake in not revealing the results of the only two clinical trials that were done on the Moderna vaccine before it was approved by the FDA? Why would he rush it? have the FDA rush their emergency use authorization to get that out on the marketplace. The reason he says is because, oh, people were dying. We had a chance. We had it in our hands, a chance to save the lives of millions of people. So we did it. We did it for the common good. No, he did it for millions of dollars in royalties that he's making and he's making it off the backs of dead young athletes that many of, because they're athletes, they're very in tune with what's good for their bodies, many of them would have never agreed to be vaccinated if he had expressed even one shred of hesitation. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. 
but the love of money is the root of all evil. And from now on, here's what I want you to consider. Every single report that you get, every single thing you hear about people getting sick from COVID-19, people getting vaccinated from COVID-19 that are having issues, I want you to remember this story. Now, let me give an example of this. You know, I, 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 I can tell you when I said that none of them, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer, none of them sold their vaccines to retail chains and stuff like that. You probably went, oh, there's no way. How do they make their money? How do they get their money otherwise? What about hospitals? Do you know how much money hospitals have put out? How much money they have spent treating COVID-19 patients? Listen to this. We just happen to have the list in hand of what hospitals made during the pandemic and by the way, what they're still making. Still today, when they take in a COVID patient. Well, how are they making it, Dan? Hospitals aren't paying for anything. Federal government's paying for it. Let me tell you what it, what it is. We've talked about, you know, they get paid more money, they get pluses and stuff. Let me tell you what the pluses are. Do you know? I'm not even going to ask you. I'm just going to, I've got the list of what every state, what they get paid by the federal government when they take in and treat from start to finish a COVID-19 patient. Alabama, they get $158,000 a patient. Alaska, $306,000. Arizona, only $23,000. Arkansas, $285,000. California, $145,000. I'm going to scan down here and give you some of the numbers just to blow your mind. Let's see. Hawaii, 301,000 per patient. Kansas, 291,000. Kentucky, 297,000. My state, only 26,000 per patient. Uh, most of them are in the hundreds, but there are some that unexplainably are really up there. Montana is an example. Hospitals get $315,000 per patient. Nebraska, $379,000. New Hampshire, $201,000. Oregon, $220,000. South Dakota, $241,000. Tennessee, $166,000. Texas, $184,000. Virginia, $201,000. Wyoming, $278,000. And then there's West Virginia, Joe Manchin country. It's the number one highest paid per case paid by the federal government to treat COVID patients. $471,000 a patient in West Virginia. Now do you understand why it has been such a rush when patients show up at the emergency room? I mean, if they're showing any kind of COPD, uh, elements of COPD, COPD, it's a, it's a diagnosis of COPD means chronic obstructed, uh, obstructive pulmonary disorder, COPD. It's very common for people, you see them with oxygen mask on, they're COPD positive. 
If a patient comes to the ER and he or she exhibits any of those things that roll into chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, they were instructed in writing by the CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which runs all of the government health care entities. They were instructed, make the official treatment, diagnose it as COVID-19 positive. And the hospitals say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Why? Because of the money. Because of the money you just heard us talking about. The love of money is the root of all evil. Now, what are you getting at, Dan? I didn't want to go down this rabbit trail. I really didn't, but one thing led to another, and you need to understand there are a lot of people out there that went to the hospital, and they were always encouraged, the ERs were always encouraged, list their cause of being there, the patient, COVID-19, and and you got to admit them to the hospital. Well, if they don't get admitted to the hospitals, the hospitals don't make this big money. So they admit them. They go to the COVID floor. Many people don't have COVID. They go to the COVID floor, and what happens? They get COVID. My mother-in-law, 97 years old now, if she walked in the room with you, you would say she was about 65, maybe 70. Well, maybe 75. But she's tall and thin, not an ounce of fat on her, never has been. She is really a strong person, obviously, at 97. She was in the hospital to have a procedure done. Uh, It was a a digestive system thing. I forget what it was called, but she had it done. And she was in a room across the hallway from a patient that was COVID-19 positive. While she, my mother-in-law was in the hospital, she, she was there for several days over the weekend, and the COVID patient across the hallway died. So she, she my mother-in-law, was tested several times, COVID negative, COVID, COVID negative. She goes home 24 hours later, COVID-19 positive. I will in no way ever diminish the fact that COVID-19 is serious. But what I will say to you is there's far more to this story than we're being told. And that's one reason why Dr. Anthony Fauci, the courts have told him he's got to come forward with information that he's had back and forth with the social media Companies, because they've been taking guidance of what to allow to be posted on their sites and what not to be. And Fauci, I promise you what's going to come out, he was telling them what to say regarding COVID-19, its symptoms, its treatments, and adverse reaction, the VAERS reports, that for almost a year we gave you the updated VAERS reports in the various categories every week where people were having these extraordinary medical problems and also people dying from vaccination adverse reactions. That's what this is all about. Now, let's dig in on this thing that is happening in Washington, D.C. about spending 
taxpayer dollars. Listen to this. Look who's back with us, former investment banker and author, Carol Roth. She's a great writer. Carol, what's your reaction to that report? Because we're looking at the lawsuit, and what they're saying is this this goes way beyond from alleged misinformation about drugs and vaccines. It's much broader than that. I mean, we, everybody thought that the Democrats were so tolerant and open-minded and open to other <laughs> ideas. It's like the intolerant, tolerant left, right? I mean, they can't tolerate any, oppos- any, any thought that's contrary to what they're thinking, and instead they shut you down. Yeah, as you know, I am a huge consumer of social media, especially Twitter. And what most of us want is to just be able to have a conversation without any censorship, um, either from the platforms, but especially not from the government. And it seems like these these social media companies are acting as de facto arms of the government, which is a violation of our First Amendment rights. And I feel like, Liz, they're playing both sides a little bit. They keep saying, well, you know, we're private companies and, you know, we're platforms, we're not publishers, and so we should get all these kinds of protections. But if they are taking direction from the government, that really does bring into question what it is that they're hiding behind. And, you know, it's like they're living in a bubble. They're not living in reality. The D.C. media, the D.C. New York Beltway, the Hen House echo chamber of you know, just reinforcing their points of view when they're not in the real world. People out there on the streets are saying, what are we watching on TV? It's insanity what these conversations are about. And now you got President Biden claiming that, yeah, that the White House and Democrats are being careful spending voters' tax money. Watch this. I might add, with all these legislations we passed, Madam Vice President, we've still reduced the deficit substantially. In our first year, over $300 billion, and this, this year, it's estimated to be somewhere in excess of a trillion five hundred billion, maybe as much as a trillion seven hundred billion. So, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, we're going to spend the money wisely. If you, Carol, if you were only watching MSNBC <laughs> and that's it, you know, the poison, the toxicity it pours out into the America of MSNBC, you know, you, you wouldn't know that. The deficit came down because the pandemic, massive pandemic government programs went away. And the government says it has found one of the largest frauds in U.S. history, about a half a trillion dollars in pandemic program fraud. That's what's going on. New York Times reported that. I, I love the fact the government is spending your money wisely. Like that's like talk about misinformation. It's ridiculous. But what I hate about this, it's such a dishonest discourse because, like you said, they are not normalizing extraordinary expenses. I come from an investment banking background. When you look at data, if something is extraordinary, you always pull it out. So you had these two crazy years of quote unquote emergency funding, which we could you know argue whether or not that was necessary. But the reality is you would have to look back to 2019 for a comparison. And if you look at the projected deficit you know, for the fiscal year that's wrapping up this month, it's a 44% increase. And that is with an additional trillion dollars of receipts. So if they had just taken the spending back to 2019 level, we would actually be breaking, breaking even. If they rolled it back to 2018, we would have a $300 billion surplus because we had so much more in terms of receipts. And they're still running a one point four trillion dollar deficit and trying to pass it off as we're reducing the but deficit now they want, so they, they want 80 they get they get 80 billion dollars for tens of thousands of new irs agents to do more audits <laughs> after they blew half a trillion in pandemic fraud russian and the thieves in china stole it foreign criminals stole the money 
your final word. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's frustrating and it just goes back to central planners. We cannot trust them with our money. And, the, you know, talking about spending it wisely, the most wise spending would be to put it back in the hands of the taxpayers and not collect it to begin with. Got it. Carol Raw, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Yeah, you're going to see a scenario in which they, they come out one day and maybe Biden would do this if he thought he could buy your votes. Come out one day and say, hey, look, we know that This has cost you a bunch of money. Across the board, Americans have paid more. They've lost working opportunities. Therefore, they've lost income. So here's what we're going to do. We took this trillion dollars of additional tax money that you sent last year to the government. You realize that. Americans paid a trillion dollars more than the previous year in tax receipts. Now, of course, the Biden folks, they'll say, it's because of us and our policies. It's not at all. It's because of policies that were put in place under the Biden administration that they haven't yet been able to blow up, they being the Biden administration. So I could see Joe saying, look, every family, we're going to send you $2,000. No holes there. You just get it, you spend it, whatever you need. You think that's ever going to happen? Heck no. Heck no, they look at you as nothing more than two things, a vote and a tax check that you send in to the federal government. That's all the American people mean to most of the people on the left. And if you ever disagree with them on anything, all that's about is you're an evil MAGA person. You're a a terrorist wannabe. And they've got to shut you up and put you down and definitely don't believe, don't believe anything that they say that is different from us. Now, I told you we had a couple of stories today that included Dr. Anthony Fauci. This second one, it kind of goes along the same line, but with some different elements. He messaged his boss, Fauci messaged his boss in early 2020 about work that was being done at a Chinese laboratory that got funding from the U.S. government. Now, Fauci told us, if you remember correctly, he had never been involved in anything like that. His boss was Dr. Francis Collins. At the time, he was the director of the National Institutes of Health. He sent Fauci a preprint study from Zingli Shi, a top researcher at where? the Wuhan Institute of Virology. In case you haven't seen this preprint from a week ago, Collins wrote in the email, no evidence this work was supported by National Institutes of Health. Now, the email contained some passages that were redacted under an exception to a federal transparency law that allows withholding, quote, interagency or intra-agency memos or letters which would not be available by law to a party other than an agency in litigation with the agency. In other words, they got this, I guess it was a, uh, a policy, uh, a regulation, they got it put in there so that pretty much they could say that this was about this and, oh, we can't let that go, and so it would be hidden from us. I did it, but did not check the similarities. Obviously, we need more details, Fauci told Collins. Now, she 
had been studying bat coronaviruses, including one called RATG13, that coronavirus was 96% similar to the COVID-19 virus, according to the preprint. She and her lab received funding from the NIH through an intermediary nonprofit called the EcoHealth Alliance. That's been in numerous stories about fraud and grants, and we've covered them exhaustively. This new email was obtained and released by the nonprofit U.S. Right to Know through a Freedom of Information Act request. Hours later, both Collins and Fauci joined a private call with top scientists, many of who later went on to write a paper claiming there was scant evidence that the COVID-19 virus came from the Wuhan lab, even though they told Fauci that the virus likely did not have a natural origin. Well, there's only two things. If it didn't have a natural origin, it had to come from a lab. What lab was working on this? The only lab we've ever been told was working on bat research was the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Fauci recommended that all of the scientists on the call, he recommended all of them to the World Health Organization for a panel the group was forming to investigate the origins of the virus. Now, this was in the newly disclosed emails. Fauci and Collins have also said that our government did not fund the so-called gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab or research that increases a pathogen's transmissibility or its severity. But at least one experiment conducted there did, did, not may have done, it did increase the severity of a virus. Now, the NIH revealed that back in 2021. Experts said it met the definition of gain of function. The NIH in August ended a subgrant to the Wuhan lab over their refusal to hand over documents, but is allowing EcoHealth to make changes so they can continue to get money from us, which they always have. They pass along to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Let me just tell you this. There is no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that Anthony Fauci is up to his eyeballs in all of this and he's doing and has been doing everything he can do to hide it. He denies, he deflects, he picks on people, he calls people names that dare question him and his integrity, but he is the arbiter of all of this, and we are going to find out long after he's gone, because he's announced he's retiring at the end of this year, long after he's gone, we're going to find out he was a bad guy that made lots and lots of money from the unnecessary treatment of millions of people around the world, many of who died because of the treatments they were given because Dr. Fauci recommended it. I promise you, that's in the offing. There were people that listened to the show that read our stories two years ago when we were up there and we were not totally, 
we didn't have all the information that pointed to the deniability, uh, the validity of saying this came from this and was done because of these decisions that were made over here. But we began to think in the spring of 2020, we had Dr. Judy Mikovits on the show. We were the first broadcast entity after her gag order expired that was put in place at the request of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Judy Mikovits worked side by side with him in the early 90s in research about HIV and its treatment. He got crossways with her. There was a nasty military run one night on her house and they were seeking a document that she had developed privately that Fauci was demanding that it was his. And so black ops guys show up at their house. I'm talking about SWAT people, but nobody wore a name. Nobody knew if it was the FBI, the CIA, who was doing it. They took her, put her in a black truck, took her out in the middle of nowhere. And for two weeks, she was held, no attorney, no phone calls, And they finally let her go when she signed an agreement that was a 10-year gag order. She couldn't say anything about what happened for 10 years. The first week after the 10-year expiration, she was on the phone with us, and we spent two hours, and she predicted every single thing that Anthony Fauci has propagated through COVID land, and she said exactly what he was going to say to justify it, and exactly what he was going to do. She called the shots. He went public nationally, demeaning her way in advance of any of this happening. But when it began to happen, he got very quiet. Fauci is a fraud. He may have been a good doctor at what he did, and somebody is going to pass around what I just said, that Fauci is a fraud and somebody will call me or send me a text or an email taking me to task for it. That's okay. I'm a fact finder. I'm a fact seeker, and I follow the facts. When it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. And folks, Dr. Anthony Fauci has been quacking and waddling now for three years. Enough's enough. We need to send the duck packing. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. What can milk do? Well... It can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whirr. And creme brulee, cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. 
I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. Right here in New York City, with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1800 plus cities. ask you this have you had enough of the uh back and forth uh new things coming out that you're hearing today that you didn't know about you know as long as i've been doing this it uh is seldom a day that goes by that i don't find something that i either didn't know or i knew or thought i knew something that was exactly opposite of what i find out is truth and there's a lot of reasons for it you can point a lot of fingers Let me just say this. We're all intelligent human beings. We all have brains. We reason. We think. We understand. We understand certain things. And then we look at specific places to get our facts. Where to get our facts. In other words, we all make choices. And when we hear about something, we make a decision. As we do here, we encourage you. Go get proof that what we're saying is actually fact or get proof that disproves it and then make decisions based on what you have confirmed for yourself or facts. That's a smart thing to do, but there are so many sheeple on the planet, they just turn to one place or two different places. They listen to one person or two different people and they make all their choices and decisions based upon those people that they have chosen to be their sources for information. That's a dangerous place in which to live. Don't do that. And if this is not a place that you come to get facts, I get it. And I'm fine with that. You can disagree with me. Intelligent people find people that they're going to disagree with. But just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean that person is less than you are, it means one thing and one thing only. You disagree. If we could take that particular characteristic out of our marketplace of ideas, the temperature between people would go way, 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 way down. We would have far fewer fights, far fewer shootings, far fewer horrible things that happen out there that when we see or hear about them, we just shake our head. People store all that up and they're going to let it go at some point. They are going to let it go. If it's inside, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what the Bible says. And so you're going to spew it out there and in the environment in which we find ourselves living today, I mean, especially places like uh, Chicago and New York City, You have the freedom to say what you think and even maybe what you know to somebody and they can disagree with you. Just have the same right as you do to make the claim. And unfortunately, sometimes now 
instead of just saying, you know what, buddy, I disagree with you, they pull out a gun and, and shoot you or they beat you over the head. That's going to be out there and we just need to be careful about it. But be careful who you choose to listen to. That's all I'm saying. You're about to hear from one of the state of Louisiana's U.S. Senators. You're going to hear from John Kennedy, hopefully, before we close the show today. But Bill Cassidy is our other senator. He, too, is a Republican. And he spoke with Stuart Varney yesterday about the lies that are going around about fossil fuel, which is a big deal for us in Louisiana. We produce a bunch of oil, a bunch of natural gas, and a bunch of liquid gas, which is the new way, the better way, the more um, environmentally friendly way to store and transmit natural gas, liquid natural gas. These are important things to us here in Louisiana. Senator Bill Cassidy, Republican, Louisiana, joins me now. Mr. Senator, this is not what we were told by this administration. What's going on here? Yeah, you're right, Stu. Uh, Listen, when President Biden stood in the Rose Garden and said he would do whatever he could to lower the price of the pump and implicitly lower the cost of the utility bill, he told a lie. The fact that the Obama administration had put out 10 times as many leases as had the Biden administration by this point shows you they want to leave it in the ground, even if you and I and Californians pay far too much for utilities and for fuel. Uh, as I understand it, a federal judge has just handed you in Louisiana a, a win. Uh, I believe he's issued a permanent injunction against the administration's moratorium on new oil and gas leases. Is that going to affect drilling in your state significantly, you, Senator? You sure hope so, but they have shown that they can use the executive branch, the bureaucracy, to find a reason why things don't work. And they will gum it up so much that they say, oh, we're just following the law. Instead, they're putting leases in their back pocket. They're making us go to other countries to buy. We are still paying $1.50 more a gallon of gas than we were before the pandemic. And by the way, lots of jobs, not just in Louisiana, but across the country, which are crushed, gone forever, perhaps, because this administration will not develop North American natural resources. California mandates electric vehicles. Mandate. You got to have one. I don't know what the, I can't remember the exact date, but you got to have an electric. Where are we going to get the electricity from to power all these electric vehicles if they come on this strong? Good question, Stu. I wonder if they thought about it. Uh, Because if you just look at permitting, uh, the permitting requirements in California, which is densely populated, I get it, but with a strong not in my backyard, uh, uh, not in my backyard movement, uh, is going to limit that. So we are making plans for 2035, we, the government, but the government's failing at its primary responsibility. Uh, It's supposed to be able to plan, not just hope. What's the old quote? Uh, What? Aspirations without uh, uh, aspirations uh, without something is hallucination. I think that's an old Steve Jobs quote. Without execution is hallucination. And what we have here is them willing for something to happen, but with no plan to execute the needed infrastructure, which verges on an hallucination. Uh, That's not how the governments of our country should be treating we the people. Mr. Senator, right again. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, We hope you can come back soon. Thank you, sir. Thanks, dude. Got it. Bill Cassidy is not known as being a real forward-thinking Republican senator. 
not like John Kennedy, his counterpart here in the state of Louisiana. But when it comes to some things, and especially Cassidy and Kennedy are both from South Louisiana, which is where principally all of or most of the oil and gas drilling and exploration and therefore money comes out of the ground. But he knows exactly what he's talking about and what he referenced when Stuart Varney asked him point blank, is this going to be a big win for Louisiana, what the court said? This was yesterday, which you just heard those two talking about. And I told you what happened late yesterday when the Biden administration, they just they just threw that whole thing away that the judge said, and they just canceled the permits. Interesting how that happens, isn't it? I told you you were going to hear from two of the three Clinton family members today. Well, I'm not going to let you hear from them. I don't want you to lose uh, your stomach contents before lunch. So I'll just kind of tell you what this is all about. Hillary, former Secretary of State, she was on The View yesterday. And she said this on The View. She said that President Joe Biden did a very important service to the country by calling so-called MAGA Republicans semi-fascist. Semi-fascist. So co-host host Alyssa, Alisa, I don't know how she pronounces it, Alyssa Farah Griffin said this. So this past week, as President Biden gave a speech on democracy and the threat to it, as a Republican... I've been outspoken that I think it's one of the biggest issues facing our country. But I did worry that using the language saying many who support the former president are semi-fascist or leaning toward it was divisive. You experienced this when you used the term deplorable, a backlash from the right. Do you think the president met the right tone or do you think this was divisive and could have been framed better? So Hillary, with all of her her eloquence, she said this in response. You know, I think he did a very important service to the country in giving the speech that he gave because too many people are not yet aware of how fragile our democracy is. And I'm not going to second-guess the language he used because there has been so much that has gone beyond anything I ever thought, thought or would have dreamed of, starting with January 6th but so many threats of violence and, you know, concerns that people are expressing about the country, you know, coming apart and all of that. So I think he did a real service and I personally thought it was a strong and necessary speech. I would not second guess any of the language. And she wasn't through. She added this. The final thing I would say is, you know, look, fascism is a very big word. I know that, but so is socialism. And the Republicans call every Democrat who wants people to have health care a socialist. Now put that in your peace pipe and smoke it for a moment. Okay. This Democrat Party, this group of far-left Democrat members... And I got to be honest with you, nowadays, I'm not, I'm not even comfortable to say there is a moderate wing of the Democrat Party because it doesn't seem there really is. It doesn't seem that way at all. In fact, I think the people that used to live in Democrat 
moderate land have now, they've erased the D from their voter registration and put the I up there. They're now independent thinkers. And if they don't do that formally regarding their voter registration, they're doing it when they go in and vote, and that's even more important. Hillary is going to do what Hillary does. Haters going to hate. And she hates anybody that is not like-minded with her. But that's not where these Democrats stop. They can't stop there. They have to keep going. It's like that little poodle, you know, the yipper? That little yipper, he or she comes a-running every time somebody comes up and they just over and over. You know who I'm talking about. And Hillary's like this, you know, Farah asked her a question, and she came up with a question. She answered the question, and at the end of it, she didn't stop. And those little poodle yippers don't stop either. Their owner can just say, you be quiet. Don't you dare yip one more time. And that dog will look at him and go, yip, like that last time. Hillary did the same thing. After she said what she said, and then she said, I'm going to... I'm going to wrap this all up. The final thing I would say is, you know, look, fascism is a very big word. I know that, but so is socialism. And the Republicans call every Democrat who want people to have health care a socialist. That's her yip, the final yip. But it makes no difference because Hillary Clinton is Hillary Clinton. And the world knows who she is, what she's about, what she's done, and how criminal-minded she has been in her professional career and has performed her criminality with impunity and has never been held accountable for it. So why wouldn't she speak from that perspective? In her life, the way she's handled her life, in many cases, she lives above the fray. And she lives above the fray because she feels like she doesn't have to live with us. She doesn't have to interact with us. And why is that? Because she's more enlightened. She's better endowed financially. She's got clout politically. And that means she's better than you. And you're nothing but a little yipper coming when you try to disagree with her. And then there's former first daughter, Chelsea Clinton. During yesterday's broadcast of The View. Wait a minute. That's what you just said. Hillary was there. Yep. They were both there. Chelsea accused former President Trump of having mainlined hate in our country. So, again, co-host Alyssa Farah Griffin said this. Chelsea, you talk about, you know, you look at women who stand up to violence and this and hate and you talk about how you don't remember a time in your life where your family wasn't faced with hate and with threats, talk to me about what it was like to experience that and then experience it through the program. Clinton said, I think we need to be having really candid conversations about how so many more kids now have to confront bullying and hate at a younger age because of the pervasiveness of social media and that bullying often follows them home at night. It doesn't just stay in the hallways at school or in after-school facilities. 
So I think it's an important conversation to have. I also think it's an important conversation for us to be having in our country because of how much our former president really not only mainstream, but mainline hate in our country. In other words, I'm a Clinton. We never had anything to do with hate for anybody. We never did name calling. We're great human beings and we're Democrats. But Donald Trump, oh my gosh, he mainlined hate in our country. Not our mom. Not in that basket of deplorables comment that applied to 70 million Americans. But uh, Chelsea wasn't finished. I think we have to be standing up against hate against women, against people of color, against people with disabilities, against trans Americans, against everyone who was against so much of the whisper of violence, the threat of violence than they were even a few years ago. It's really important to us to include gutsy women standing up to hate, standing up to white supremacy, standing up to bigotry in their own lives, in their communities, and for our country, because we all need to be doing that right now. Protecting our most vulnerable who remain more vulnerable through the policies and the rhetoric of the prior administration and who we are seeing still be made vulnerable in states like Texas and Florida. That meant, as you know, had nothing to do with anything else, but nothing that the states have decided, but what Hillary and Chelsea decide about abortion. Once again, if you disagree with anything we say, you are deplorable. And the scary thing is, close to half of the nation, if not half of the nation, echo those sentiments of Chelsea and Hillary. That should scare the bejesus out of you and me. There's just things in our lives, folks, that are unexplainable. But one thing you need to know, we all need to know and understand, it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter where we live, what our political affiliation is now, and what it might be later. No matter how you think, there's going to be somebody out there that disagrees with you. You've got to be prepared to handle it. And I can tell you this, consider handling it amicably. It doesn't matter in most cases what you think, you're not going to change one thought in their lives. And it's just not worth the fight. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country. Making products to build infrastructure and skylines. Creating jobs. Supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? 
Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Charlie Crist is a former governor of the state of Texas, and he's been in Congress, and he is now running against, now let me, let me get this straight. I think he was running for Congress, and I'm not sure of that, but I think it was, and now he's decided to do something else. He is challenging Governor Ron DeSantis in this year's gubernatorial election in Florida, and Charlie said he is so damn proud of President Biden for the dark and divisive speech the president delivered last week in which he demonized MAGA Republicans. Now, the reason I'm bringing you this story is Charlie Crist at one time was a Republican. And he was a Democrat. And now he's neither. He's an independent. <laughs> in other words, he can't make up his mind. How many of you saw Joe Biden speak last night on national TV? Chris asked a group of supporters, and they cheered. He then proceeded to lavish Biden with praise, lauding his tenacity and his courage for calling out MAGA Republicans. God love him. God love him, and I do, Chris said. And he's told it straight. Democracy is at stake. Our freedom is at stake. And the president laid it out, and he couldn't hold back, and I'm so proud of him for doing it. We have to have that kind of courage and just tell it like it is. I'm going to be a happy guy, you know. I'm a nice fella, but don't ever confuse my kindness with weakness. We're going to take it to them, Chris added during his remarks, which the DeSantis War Room characterized as Biden worship. Here's what they tweeted out. Charlie Crist worshiping Joe Biden again. How many of you saw Biden's speech last night on national TV? God love him. He told it straight. The president laid it out. He didn't hold back, and I'm so proud of him for it. Well, Crist's open praise of Biden draws a stark contrast between himself and the guy he's running against, Ron DeSantis, particularly given that Biden insulted millions of Americans, about 72 million to be exact, essentially deeming them a threat to democracy itself. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundation of our republic. That's Biden during the speech asserting that there is no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, and that is a threat to the country. Biden went on to say that MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution, nor the rule of law, nor the will of the people. They're working right now, as I speak, in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and to cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself, Biden said, contending that they are determined to take this country backwards, bizarrely asserting that they promote authoritarian leaders. 
I don't even think Joe knows what an authoritarian leader is because if he did, he would be saying, I am one. He is one. Authoritarians are people that want all power in politics to be held either by one person or a very small group of people and that the populace has no say-so in anything regarding governing. We have nations that are living right now in that exact structure, places like Venezuela. Venezuela that 20 years ago was, was regarded to be the second most wealthy nation on the planet. Venezuela actually was, second only to the United States. And what do they do? A strong man comes in, convinces the population to give him control of the governor, government, and he stole them blind and drove it down, 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 and they find themselves in Venezuela now literally where they can't even find toilet paper. Inflation in their country is 6,000%. So what does that mean? Well, if you could find a roll of toilet paper, how much do you pay for one at, at your superstore? Maybe 20 cents? Multiply that by 6,000 times, and that's what it would cost in Venezuela. That is what Joe Biden is talking about wanting to be. That is his definition of the democracy that Republicans are wanting to do away with. And by the way, I want to say this again, and I'll probably say it every day for a while because you're hearing something different from this from a lot of Democrats. They are touting democracy, 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 democracy. Our government was never structured in a pure democracy. It was very plainly stated at the beginning, we, the people, established a representative republic. Now, what's the difference? Okay, you know how our government is structured. Three co-equal branches. You have the executive branch, the judiciary, and then you have the legislative branch. All three in power are equally endowed. It's split across all three. And they each have oversight of the other two. That's a balance. How are those structured, those entities, those three branches, how are they structured? You know, members of Congress on one side of the Capitol or the U.S. House of Representatives. We have in the United States 535 separate defined geographically congressional districts. And each district, every two years, votes on somebody that's going to represent them in the U.S. Congress. 535 people, direct, direct representation of people that they live and know from their districts. The other side of the Capitol, the United States Senate, each six-year term, each one of them faces elections. They represent the state's from which they come. Every state has two. And the third branch is the judiciary. That is the court system, the federal court system. And judges and justices are nominated by whoever sits in the White House. And then the Senate considers any 
any nominee that is presented to them for a judgeship by the president, the executive branch, and the Senate has the sole power to confirm whoever those are going to be. Now, I gave you this basic history lesson to tell you the difference between that representative republic model, which is, no question about it, what the United States government is, and pure democracy. What's a pure democracy? Everybody has an equal say. If you're going to have this election, then everybody has a right to vote for it. Now, I'm not just talking about every two years or every four years. Any time any piece of anything, legislation, any kind of idea, anybody or anything that comes up with something, it has to be considered equally by everybody. In other words, in that scenario, there is no Congress. There's no need for it because everybody votes. That means once a month you're going to have an election and there's going to be a long list of people that you vote for and issues that they want, they being people that want in the country certain things to happen and certain things to be not happening. Can you imagine the chaos of that? In that scenario, here is the other big reason why we never want to go there. We never want Hillary. We never want Joe Biden, Barack Obama. We never want them to get to a pure democracy because that creates mob rule. That means one segment of the government, one segment of the population will control 100% of everything that happens in the nation. There would be no state governments. There would be no city and county or parish governments. It would all, everything would be done and overseen by this small group of people that have seized power. That's where the term mob rules comes from. That's what they really want, and that's why they keep throwing the term out there. Donald Trump and these MAGA people, they're against democracy. They're going to tear it up. No. Trump supporters, Republicans, are for the rule of law, or for every jot and tittle in the United States Constitution. And Joe Biden will stand up there and say these evil MAGA people, they don't want to enforce the the writings and the articles and the amendments of the U.S. Constitution. He's every day doing exactly what he's accusing Republicans of doing. Republicans are doing exactly what Joe Biden is doing. Every day, Joe Biden figuratively flies down to the southern border and opens up the gate and waves everybody from everywhere on the planet that wants to come here, waves them into the nation. Y'all come on in. It doesn't matter if you're uh, if you're a fugitive from your country of choice. It doesn't matter if you've been in the United States and you've been sent away, you've been deported for breaking laws. It doesn't matter if you lived here and you were in jail and you got out somehow and you went to your country and you want to come back, y'all just come on in. Doesn't matter if you're sick. Doesn't matter if you're a drug trafficker. It doesn't matter. Y'all want to come in, just come on in. 
That's in direct violation of the United States Constitution and the violation of the rule of law. Every law that is broken on Joe Biden's watch, it's no different than every law that was broken on Donald Trump's watch. If you, as a member of the government, are not supporting the tenets of the Constitution and abiding by the rule of law and allowing anybody to get away with any of it, you are suborning the United States Constitution and the rule of law. Stop blaming it all on Donald Trump, who never did it, and you do it every day, or you attempt to. And overnight, we heard about another big deal with Russia's state energy company, Gazprom. A video was released titled, And Winter Will Be Big. It's a short one. The short presentation shows European cities freezing over with occasional cuts to useless windmills and solar panels while a mournful song plays in the background. So fans of the Russian government left YouTube comments praising the video as a masterful act of trolling. Gazprom shut down the flow of gas into Germany through its Nord Stream 1 pipeline a week ago, left the Europeans in a state of mounting panic as frigid winter temperatures are showing up, folks. There in uh, most of Europe, it gets really nasty during the winter. Gazprom's taunting video was essentially a funeral dirge in advance of somebody dying. Gazprom and other Russian officials have long insisted the pipeline was first throttled and then shut down entirely because of technical issues. This was an excuse, and it was later refined a bit into a story about defective turbines that could not be fixed due to the crushing impact of Western sanctions against Russia that were imposed after Russia invaded Ukraine. The Russians have grown more explicit over the past few days with threats that Europe's gas supply has been cut off for political reasons, which that we knew that all along. That was the reason they were doing it. And they're saying it will not be restored until all sanctions are lifted. And then on Wednesday, their strongman, their dictator, Vladimir Putin, he railed that the group of seven, the G7 proposals to cap Russian gas prices are stupid and will be punished by cutting off Europe's energy supply during the cold winter. Will there be any political decisions that contradict the contracts? Yes, we just won't fulfill them. We will not supply anything at all if it contradicts our interest. We will not supply gas, oil, coal, heating oil. We will not supply anything, Putin said at an economic forum in Vladivostok. I can't even pronounce it. We would only have one thing left to do. As in the famous Russian fairy tale, we would sentence the wolf's tail to be frozen. And he was referring to a Russian folktale in which an exasperated fox deals with an extremely annoying wolf by telling the hungry predator he can catch fish by sticking his tail into a frozen lake and taunting the fish into biting it. Well, it was an implausible method of ice fishing, 
and it leaves the wolf's posterior frozen to the lake, leaving him helpless. He can't get away from a mob of angry villagers who murder him with axes. The European Commission said yesterday it intends to proceed with price caps on Russian gas despite Putin's threat. We must cut Russia's revenues, which Putin uses to finance this atrocious war. That was European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen. Von der Leyen claimed the member states of the EU have stockpiled enough gas and secured sufficient alternative supplies from other providers to weaken Russia's grip to European energy markets. The EU is nevertheless considering emergency measures for the months ahead, including mandated reduction in energy use, revenue caps for all energy companies, and compulsory contributions from fossil fuel providers. Let me ask you this. We're about done for the day, but let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this. We are now hearing, or we heard from the governor of California. He's basically telling his citizens that they must voluntarily raise the thermostat above 78% in their homes to not charge their electric cars. Doesn't say anything about how they're going to get around otherwise, but there are horrible problems on California's electric grid, and they're not going to be able to supply all that is being called on for energy to use by Californians around the state, and there are going to be blackouts. So they're talking about this in California. Other states, Texas, other states are talking about this, and they're talking about it in all of Europe. What has changed? We used to have all the energy we needed. We produced it ourselves. What else has changed? You know where this is going. What's changed is that fossil fuel exploration and production has been stopped, stifled in the United States. And now everybody, those fossil fuel haters and those electric car lovers, they're finding out their ideas don't work. And they're going to be looking for somebody to give them help. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for joining us every day. Tell somebody about the show and tell them how to get it. We'll see you tomorrow right here.
Yeah. 